Welcome to the Hiker Trash Podcast. This is a project of Local Exposure Magazine. My name is Ronnie Pettit, and I'm your host. The Hiker Trash Project began with my curiosity about why people through hike the Appalachian Trail, or any long trail. I wondered why they do it, what they gain from it, and how that experience might manifest itself in their life after the trail. I spent an entire year following, photographing, and interviewing through hikers on the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine and all the way back to Georgia. I put all that, those interviews and photographs, into a 200-page coffee table book. And now we're going to continue the project as a podcast. So listen along as we track down some of the people we met along the way and interview new hikers and find out, did that experience change them or... Did it simply provide the context to reveal who they already are? You can find out more about Local Exposure Magazine on the internet at localexposuremagazine.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at local.exposure.magazine. The intro music for today's episode was provided by Scott Lowe. He's a Northeast Georgia-based singer-songwriter. You can find him on Instagram at Songs. Okay, on today's episode of the Hiker Trash Podcast, we have Fancy. Say hello, Fancy. Hi. Hi, I'm really excited to be here. Look, you have an audience. I have a whole cheering section. It's like the price is right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, thanks for being on here. We are in a hotel in lovely Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. My first time here. Really? This is where I was born. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I mean, I was four when we left, so like I don't know it now, oh. but. <laughs> you don't have an attachment. No, but uh, yeah, I was born here. So you were on the trail in 2022? Correct, yeah. Okay. I started March 22nd of 22 and got off on July 4th. Okay, let's back up. Okay. <laughs> how did, even before your trail name, we'll get back to your trail name, but how did, uh, the Appalachian Trail even come into your brain? So the first time I ever heard about it, I was in fourth grade and it was a class assembly where they brought in the guy with like the big snakes and stuff who had like a massive python and I couldn't really uh, even focus on the snakes or anything that he was saying because at one point he just flippantly, just an offhanded comment said, oh, I just got done with hiking the Appalachian Trail. And my entire brain just broke. And my poor fourth grade teacher, I made her like pull up a map and an encyclopedia because this was before we could just Google things and made her kind of walk me through what uh, walk uh, me through what that would look like. And ever since then, it's always just been in the back of my brain. That's interesting. Was it like like the sense of adventure or what what about that as a fourth grader really appealed to you? I didn't even know it was an option. Like, I didn't even know that that was something that people could do. So the idea that that was an 
uh, like available to you as a person to walk that far or to do any of that. I just, everything about that seemed like an adventure. It seemed like just this, like, that's a thing. Like you can do that. <laughs> like it just, it just was so inspiring and exciting for me to even find out that that existed. Yeah, it is pretty cool. You can walk across the country just following these little white marks. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Some guy just painted the phone trees, yeah. and there we go. I'm like. just going to start painting blazes. <laughs> um, so fast forward, that did that like stay in the front of your brain, the back of your brain? How did that go from that initial inspiration or all to, hey, I think this is something that I might actually want to do? I had a cousin who's an Eagle Scout and they were doing like long backpacking trips. And it was so every now and then I would be like, oh, yeah, when you graduate high school, we're going to go or because he's he's about us like six or eight years younger than I am. So and when you graduate college, then we're going to go. And it just never worked out timing wise and any of that. And then the pandemic hit and I was got on you or on, on TikTok finally after um, resisting for a long time. And basically some of the first videos that came up on my for you page were uh, people hike, like doing backpacking trips. And so I followed people on the PCT that year and CDT that year. And, and, uh, I followed a woman and I wish I could pull, remember her name to pull up her account. I even looked for it last night, but she did the, um, all the way from the Florida trail up through to, uh, the Canadian border. Wow. And I was following her along the way. And basically every person who did the AT, I was like writing down <laughs> like where they stopped and exciting things they did along the way and their favorite blue blazes. And I was just, I was so fascinated by the whole thing. And that was really what started my research to say, all right, I'm, I'm going to go. So even then, were you actively planning or were you just writing these things down kind of like a, a Pinterest thing of... You know, scrapbooky, remember stuff. I don't know. A little bit of both. I actually went back and found a journal uh, during that time, like 2021-ish. Uh, I actually went back and found a journal where I had started saving money for a through hike or for the AT back in like 2015. And I had forgotten that I had even tried to start saving for it then. Huh. And um, so I had always... at both. Starting at about then, I think I was really kind of, uh, one day I'm going to do this and I'm going to be really prepared when I do. And then all of a sudden it just kind of a, a switch flipped and I was like, okay, but why don't I do it now? <laughs> like I have the time, I've saved the money. Why don't I, uh, let me just, let, let's go, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> and this was during the pandemic? Yeah, this was 2021. So it was like, as things were kind of starting to wind down, I remember I called my parents uh, just after Thanksgiving of 2021, and I said, "I'm I'm doing it." I'm, wow! <laughs> what did they say? They they said no. <laughs> <laughs> no. They said no. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I laid it all out for them. I was like, "Here's the money I've saved. Here's what I have set up. I'm gonna find somebody to sublet. The person who sublets is also gonna watch my cats. I'm gonna mail myself food because I'm vegan." So I was like, also super aware of that and. And then uh, their level of support changed drastically by the time I was getting ready to leave for my hike. What kind of job did you have? I was a bartender at the time. Yeah, still am actually. But So that's pretty easy to kind of walk away from and come back to. Definitely. I had left a really, really toxic corporate job uh, in at 
about April of 2021. So I was back bartending and was really ready to do something different. And while I had what I felt like was possibly the only opportunity to do that. Can you say what industry that corporate job was? It was uh, the only industry or one of the only industries that during the pandemic was working 60 hour weeks. It was uh, like basically real estate banking. Uh, it was home appraisal industry. It was a nightmare time frame for that <laughs> industry. <laughs> wow. So and and you did not have a, a buddy partner. You just said, I'm going to go off on my own and do this. I had a friend in Houston because I was living in Houston at the time who they backpack. And so I made her do like basically a shakedown hike with me. We did five days on the Lone Star Trail uh, or three, three, three days on the Lone Star Trail, something like that, um, to kind of test some gear to see what she likes about her gear. Um, but they are not like ultra light backpackers. They do three or four days. They normally have like 30, 40 pound packs. So good shakedown, but, and it was good to have somebody who kind of like knew what she was talking about. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, but what I'm doing is going to be a little different. (laughs) What time of year was that? We did that in January, Mm. uh, but it was Texas. So it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely weather actually. Um, And then to start my trail, uh, my, so I told you my parents, uh, level of support changed to start my trail. My dad actually decided to start with me. Oh, nice. And so he did the first three days with me on trail. We did the approach trail together and, and going through and fortunately only made it about between those first three days, we only made it about seven miles <laughs> into the actual <laughs> AT. <laughs> um, those, so, those stairs at Amicalola are, are uh, no joke, right? They are no joke at all. Like I, <laughs> I hate them. I am so vehemently opposed to ever doing the approach trail ever again. I'm like, take your picture of the arch and then drive up to Springer. Do not do that trail. So the, your first day, you didn't even make it to Springer? No. We hiked, or we camped like three miles in, three and a half miles in at, at a bald in 70 mile an hour gusts, winds whipping through. I was in my uh, like $400 tent that I had researched and woke up absolutely soaking wet and my dad was in his $150 Amazon tent and woke up bone dry. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that on gear. <laughs> did you uh did you see CK during that time cuz he said the exact same thing. He made it like 3 miles the first day. So I have so CK and I have like had this conversation before cuz we did. We started on the same day. Oh, we you only, did. Yeah, we started March 22nd and we both only can't like got like 3 uh, miles in never saw him <laughs> i did not meet him until neil's gap when he was doing his shakedown wow and i i stood there and watched most of his shakedown and i was like who is this guy <laughs> like now i want to know who made it farther that first day was you ahead of him or is he ahead of you, you? know mine says we did make it 3.2 miles so i wonder if we were just a hair ahead <laughs> <laughs> take that <CK. laughs> no. wow and your dad was doing okay as well? Yeah. Yeah. My dad was actually pushing me those first three days for sure. I came on with, like I said, very little backpacking experience. I was not in great shape. Um, I was a dancer and I, so I thought I was going to be fine. I was used to doing some cardio that way. And I was like, I got this. It's walking. How hard could it be? What kind uh, of dancer? Uh, I actually do heels dance. So now I line dance, but at the time I was like a heels dancer and hip hop dancer. 
Heel, I don't know what a heels dancer is. So it's kind of what it sounds like. You dance in six inch heels. Oh, wow. <laughs> to like mostly hip hop style music. Oh, cool. And pop. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad we don't have video. We could get a little <laughs> demonstration. Maybe you could teach I me know. some moves. I still got a few moves, but you know. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. all on my Instagram. So <laughs> all right. there is video evidence. I'll be learning. <laughs> so in that first week, or so, what kind of difficulties, other than that first day, but what other kind of difficulties did you run into kind of adjusting to the trail? Yeah, I woke up on day three and my knees were the size of golf ball or uh, grapefruits. Like, they were, I was struggling. Um, like I said, not kind of pushed myself really hard on those first few days. I um, was just really physically not ready. And um, wound up having to get off trail go get them checked out, make sure it was nothing serious and it wound up being tendonitis. I hiked the entire rest of the trail with knee braces on both knees um, so that I could try and and help rehab that a little bit. Where did you get off trail at? Right after Hawk Mountain Shelter. There is a little like... High Tower Gap. um, It was a... I don't, I cannot tell you if that's what it was or not. It was a gravel road that yeah. took my mom 90 minutes to get down this two minute gravel road to come and pick <laughs> us up. And I tell you, the wind chill was so, so bad. It was probably 30 degrees in the wind. <laughs> and we sat down there for like four hours waiting for her to come and pick us up. We were oh miserable by the time we got in the car. I'm oh. like, welcome to Georgia. Truly. The, and that was actually my first trail magic I got. So the knee braces that I hiked in was a woman who was doing, she's like, we've now, we're almost done with our section hike. We are like, this is our last day of our AT section hike. And she, they were up there uh, going southbound to finish it off. And uh, she was like, I have a whole kit of stuff in my car. She gave me uh, like ice packs, which at that point I was like, please don't put ice in me. But like, I'm, <laughs> I'm dying. Um, knee braces. And she had a bunch of like anti-inflammatory and, and gave me like, creams and all sorts of stuff and she was like i got you i got you for wow. my knee stuff so That's that was nice. my my first trail magic was right there how long did you have to stay off trail uh, about four days is how long i was off and i i could have sh- probably should have stayed off a little longer but i wanted to, i i didn't want to let my any momentum stop where'd you go but to get back on trail or oh, while I was while off. You, yeah, while you were off trail. We stayed in Helena. So. Oh, Helen. <laughs> or Helen, yeah. yeah. Helen, Georgia. <laughs> it's, yeah. We had like the, a lot it, of barbarian food. It's like our little mini Gatlinburg. It is. It was, But it was fun. We Actually, we had a great time. We went to wineries and my both my parents were there. So I got to like experience and, and kind of hang out with them a little bit more. And obviously my dad and I got to share our three days of stories and... It was such an interesting time. What do you do for tendonitis on the knees? Just not hike? Take, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Take medicine? Um, they they tell you basically that uh, most the reason I got tendonitis is because the muscles on the other side of my legs or the rest of my legs were just not strong enough. So my knees were putting a lot of, I was putting a lot of pressure on my knees uh, where they were getting inflamed because the other muscles weren't basically strong enough to deal with the weight. So the best way to rehab it is actually to do light walking and build up the strength around your legs. And uh, I wound up now I can hike and run and do all of that without any pain until about 
once I get to like seven or eight miles, that's when things kind of start flaring up again. But if I wear my knee braces, I'm fine. Did you take that opportunity to lose some weight out of your pack? Uh, I actually, my pack was 29.9 pounds when I started with seven days of food and two liters of water. So uh, my pack was pretty light. I actually, I think I'm one of the only hikers I know whose pack got heavier. <laughs> like adding more food or less food, but more like comfort items. Oh. I was really determined when I got out there that I was like, I'm going to, you know, be like a gram weenie and, you know, cut off the end of my toothbrush. What did you say? A, gr- a gram weenie? A gram weenie. Nice. <laughs> I, was, I was like, everything adds up. I'm not going to bring this. I'm not going to bring that. And then I started being like, oh no, it kind of would be nice to like have a towel for when I'm like, when we got later on in the trail where I was like, yeah. if I want to get in the water and stuff and towel off or have a sit pad or have, um, like what else did I add? Oh, I added sunscreen. I added like anti-chafing stuff. I added like that kind of thing or you're like, oh yeah, no, that, that would be, I added like an extra, um, a hiking dress that I could throw on when I was in town and that kind of stuff where I, I think I wound up adding more to my pack as I was going instead of yeah. getting rid of things. Because as I got stronger, I was like, oh, I can add three more pounds here between, and cause I switched up my tent too. Cause I said I was <laughs> annoyed how, how often I was wet in that tent that I spent so much money on. And then, um, my dad's Amazon tent was dry and two person. So at bear's den, right after the Smokies, I actually s- had him send me his tent and I sent home the expensive tent and I hiked the rest of the trail with that Amazon tent and uh, it was fantastic. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Well, how did you figure out what gear to get in the first place? I basically bought everything that, uh, there's a, a through hiker couple on TikTok. Their names are Tim and Renee. Um, and I basically just went through their list of gear and was like, yep, that's that me too. That's what I want. And wound up doing that as well as reading reviews and, and doing a lot of that with REI. I spent a lot of time on the phone with REI being like, I think this is the right thing. And they're like, we also think it's the right thing. So um, but I really had no idea. I just was. So you would just call REI and say, hey, can I talk to somebody in backpacks? <laughs> Normally it was like I was returning gear and oh. I was on the phone with somebody in customer service who was like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to try to through hike. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, my friend did that and whatever. And they always had the, the I will say, the huge shout out always to REI's customer service. Nice. They're like. That girl's on the phone again. Somebody go, <laughs> somebody from the boot section come over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I started with ultras, but they weren't trail run, like trail runners. And I just, I mean, I think I, think I might have switched out maybe 100% of my gear. Really? In, in the course of the trail, yeah. Including footwear, which I switched out of that, uh, out of ultras. Switched into topos that gave me horrible blisters, just personally, and then switched back to ultras. <laughs> like and I, uh, that, yeah. and that's what ended up working for you. Yeah, the ultras were are still my my go to. I have another pair of topos. I actually I love the way they feel and fit. I just have to be really careful about like how I'm wearing them and when I'm wearing them. What uh, what was your sock situation? What kind of? I was box? I kind of I joke that I was old school. I just had a pair of wool socks. I didn't do any of the liners. I didn't do any of the like Ngingi stuff. I just I had two different pairs of wool socks. No darn tough. No. What, well, what? actually, yeah, they were they were darn t- they, oh. they were darn tough. Um, 
And those were, that was the brand I, I was with for a while. And I actually switched out of them. I went back to Smart Wool. Um, okay. But mm. the thinner ones, not like the thick REI, like. I had the thick, I had the thick girls. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I did the thick ones, but they stretched out really, really badly. And once they got kind of inundated with salt uh, from sweat, they really just never went back to their shape. And I was going through them very quickly. And a lot of retailers, I got them in the first place because a lot of retailers were doing the one-to-one swap outs with them for a really long time. And then they all basically in 2022 stopped doing that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well now I'm just spending a ton of money on socks. Gotcha. Now I'm, I, uh, I'm wearing a pair of REI expedition socks that are all stretched out right now. And it's driving me crazy, <laughs> See? man. See? <laughs> <laughs> driving me crazy. So you were off the trail for three or four days mm-hmm. and then let's get you back on trail. Yeah, so I got back on trail at Hawk Mountain. My mom refused to go back down that road that I got off on, so she put me back about a mile and a half um, at whatever gap that is. I believe that's Horse Gap, maybe. That sounds not wrong. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But got me back on that one, and all I did that day that I got back on was just make it back to that shelter. Um, Just to test things out, make sure that I was going to, like, this was still going to work. Um, and so I got there at like, I don't know, one o'clock in those early days. It's weird. The timeline of everybody's hike is so weird on those first few days because you have people on early days who are still trying to figure out like how to get up and get their packs packed and whether or not they're having breakfast. And obviously the days are shorter that time of year too. So sun doesn't really come out until like, 10 and you're like slow moving out of camp a lot of the times. And so there's this weird crossover on those early days of like people finally getting out of camp and people coming in for lunch at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And then sometimes people coming in like while you're having, like while somebody's having lunch, people coming in to camp because that's all they wanted to do that day was they were just aiming for six miles and now they got there and it's one thirty. Because they got up and got moving at 7 a.m. And they're like, now what do we do for the rest of the day? <laughs> Party so, time. Yeah. So I sat there with people who I was there at like 1 o'clock. And I was camping there and staying there. And um, wound up. I my So how I made friends on the trail was I would get to the, the campsite and the, the shelter. And I would sit at the picnic table and not move. And I was like, everyone will come to me. Because <laughs> they need the picnic table to cook on. <laughs> I am in the spot. <laughs> and that was what happened on that day that I got back on trail. I just basically sat at that picnic table for like six hours <laughs> and just had like a rotating group come through. And, and that was uh, where I met some people that I, I still absolutely adore and some people that I hiked a significant part of the trail with. Uh, or around anyway. Are you do you consider yourself a social person? I am, but sometimes I think I think I'm overly social. <laughs> I I love people and I love to talk and You mean annoying? Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends are super important to me and when I make a connection with people, I'm like extremely loyal. And so I want to have um 
like I want them. I'm like, when I pick them as my person, I'm like, that means I, I, I need, that means I need you to be my person. <laughs> right. Right. So it was more of a, a instant bond. For a lot of them, yeah, yeah. I met a guy on that first day. His his trail name wound up being Low Gear, but his his name's Griff, and he got off right after the Smokies. And I, that was the hardest trail loss for me as far as somebody getting off trail, because every single time I walked into camp, we just had a similar vibe as people. And every single time I walked into camp and he was there, I was like, yes, nice. it's gonna be a great like night. We're going to have fun. Everybody, we're going to laugh. We're going to have a great time. And that was what I wanted on trail. I wanted the like connections and the joys of trail and the laughing and the partying and the, Oh, probably shouldn't be up this late, but here we are. Like, yeah, we wanted those experiences. Were there ever times when like you're at a shelter and everybody's just kind of withdrawn and, and doing their own thing and being quiet and not interacting? Oh, constantly. Really? More often than I would have liked. That seems, that feels weird, or it seems like it would feel weird. It does feel weird. And I, I it just kind of depends, too, on who you're around. Because a lot of these the people with similar personalities find them, find each other, right. right? So sometimes you just wind up, I hiked alone a lot of the trail, but I, like, bounced between a few tramleys for a while. I was slower even towards the end and doing less miles. And I think a lot of the like people in tramways that I really connected with. So it was hard because I was connecting with these people emotionally. And I like was really like vibing with these people, but they were doing 22 mile days and I was like capped at 16. <laughs> so it was hard for me to like really gel with people longer. Um, so a lot of the times we just like, Tramleys just sort of devolved. And and that's Georgia, North Carolina? Kind of all through it. Okay. So I met uh, my first group that I really vibed with. It wasn't even really a group. So I had, I hiked with one person for the first, like coming out of basically Tennessee border or North Carolina border. Um, we hiked all through North Carolina together. We did, we basically hiked up to Damascus together. So, uh, and he, I love him to death. And it was one of those things where if I heard one more word out of his mouth, I was going to push him off a mountain, <laughs> but I loved him so much. <laughs> if he left me, I would have crumbled. Oh, that's funny. And, and it really became like that, almost like a sibling bond where we were just like, I will push you off the mountain if you even breathe in my direction. But if you ever leave me, I will cry. Um, and then, uh, just through like, he had to get off trail and through other like life circumstances, we wound up, I in Damascus, I linked up with another tramley and it was the group that we linked up with was like 35 people coming out of Damascus all at the same time. And then we all sort of branched off and had little smaller tramleys and kind of went back to some original groups. And I wound up with, uh, in a group of six of us seven eight ish it was kind of an interesting there was a few like floaters um and i remember one day just as a fun story about our our little tramley that we because we stuck together through basically we like kind of broke down around uh the triple crown so we we hung in there for a little while together but um we wound up and like wayne's were all really like, fell apart but um <laughs> we we wound up one day uh, deciding a group of 18 of us decided to do out of bear garden. They do a slack pack of a 26.4 mile day. 
I had never done a 20 mile day, but we were like, let's do it. They bake you cake at the end. It's like a thing that they oh, do. Wow. It's, it's a, it's a really fun experience if you're ready and like excited to do it. And one of our guys was injured. And I, like I said, if when I like pick people as my person, I'm, I'm loyal to a fault. I was not going to leave that man. He was struggling. And I was like, all right, Plato, it's you and me. We're going to do this together because I'm slow and you're injured. Let's go. <laughs> And um, we were the absolute last two people to roll into camp. We rolled into camp at 9.30 p.m. Oh, wow. And uh, we're absolutely, like, delirious and a little bit delusional. And just, we got there and we were like, we looked to each other and we were like, if the showers are occupied when we get there, I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going in anyway. <laughs> like, like, they will share because I am. <laughs> Give me I, the soap. I need warmth. <laughs> I need a shower. Like, oh, and so, but we did it. And so we all decided the next day, instead of zeroing, because that's what everyone wanted to do, we were going to hike out and like do seven miles. We were like, we can do seven miles. And we left early because there was a storm coming in. And we were like, we got to get to the shelter because no one wants to camp in the rain. And we got there. It was a six man shelter. We squeezed 11 people into that shelter. <laughs> we had somebody hammocking from the rafters. I'm not even kidding. Stanky. <laughs> and it was one of our favorite nights. We all like, like slept with our knees in our chest. <laughs> but we just, we had a great little group going for a while. And it was just, uh, it was those kind of things that I just loved so much about being like out there and with, yeah. with people. And That's trail. cool. Did you guys, uh, when you went to Damascus was, did you make it during Trail Days Festival? Yes, that was the plan. So I actually, um, we can talk about this now if you want. I actually got riffraffed, uh, <laughs> which is... You got riffraffed? I did. Um, at least that's what I always tell people. So uh, riffraff is a group of previous hikers and people who are kind of are associated with the hiking community who a week before Trail Days gets together uh, at Watuga Lake uh, and at Dick's Creek Dick's Creek Gap. Um, so right around like the boots off hostel area. And we vortex hikers. <laughs> that's our that's our game plan. Nice. Um, we bring them to we have a free campsite where they can set up uh with free showers. Uh we do breakfast, we do dinner. Is it have, at a campground? It is at a campground, but okay. it's a privately owned, it's somebody's oh. home that okay. we like go and, and commandeer for So you make arrangements a to have the campground and have the showers and Yes. Yeah, so it's they it's a couple that um like I said, they live there and the rest of the year they actually use it as a wedding venue. So they are very generously, they're very much riffraff. They open up their home and, and space for everybody to come in and um, we do dinner, we do uh, breakfast, snacks all day, and we will slack pack uh, anybody who wants to slack into Damascus. We have kind of like a three-day um, slack up to four-day that if you want to do, if you still want to get your miles and you want to get into Damascus, we can still make that happen for you. Um, but you can also come back every night to a shower. That's amazing. I, that makes me want to go a week early. Yeah. I'm going to trail days. I want to go early and go check that out. Yeah, come on down. We like I mean, it is the most open, greatest group of people. Um every like every, I just show up last year. So the first year obviously in 2022 I hiked through and so that's how I got vortexed in and then at trail days I got shirted, which is like 
you're a member of Riff Raff. Like um, a motorcycle gang? Kind of, but way less scary. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of like dorky hikers who just are like, do you guys want a beer? Like, Anybody need a hug? <laughs> and so we, um, it's like, it's truly just like a bunch of degenerates and we just love it. But so you got a shirt that says Riff Raff? I Is do. I nice. do. I got my Riff Raff shirt. And like staff. Yeah, yeah, basically. And that's and that's kind of what it is, right? When you get shirted, it means that you're willing to put in the work to help future hikers, right? You're willing to come back to to do kitchen duty, to go do beer runs, to just make sure that the hikers are taken care of, um, which is really, I mean, at the end of the day, what it's all about. That sounds like a really great little mini photo project for me. So make sure yeah, I know the location yeah. before you leave. I will. I'll give you all the info. Okay. Wow. Where, what's next? I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about like my time and why I got off? Yes. Okay. So you made it to Damascus, mm-hmm. but I, you did not finish the trail in 22. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. So, tell me about that. How did that come about? I don't know if you can tell, but my whole goal on trail was to have fun. I knew I wanted to get out of the, like, I have to, I must, this is a requirement. This is the only right way. I I have to do 17 miles. I have to do 22 miles. I wanted to get rid of all of that because I, I was in my head, especially I was like, this is a possibly a once in a lifetime opportunity. I want to experience every rock, every tree, every blue blaze, every opportunity to sing karaoke at a hostel, every experience I can experience out here was what was the absolute most valuable thing to me. So was that even more of your of a goal than getting to Katahdin? I think so, yeah. I didn't realize that at the time. My goal when I started was definitely Katahdin, but the more I did it and the more I found and, and ran into people who were like, I have to do this and like head down and they just didn't take any time to experience what I thought was like the best parts of trail. Right. I was like, oh no, I think I think that's more important to me is, is the experiences. So I knew I wanted to aqua blaze before I even left. Like the, I did the Shenandoah aqua blaze. Is that fun? It was so much fun. It was a mess. And we, my boat capsized on day one. We got, everything was wet. My phone ru- was ruined. I thought I had lost all my pictures at the AT. I was, I was so worried. Uh, thankfully they all transferred over. I did not lose anything. How, but, how does that work? Let's, let's go down yeah, the rabbit hole. Yeah. like, is there a place where you just go sign up, rent a canoe, and they pick it up on the other end? Kind of. It really is about that casual. We were, like, freaking out kind of over the planning. We, de- we wound up doing a triple zero in Waynesboro because we were trying to work out the logistics of who was going to go and, and what that all was going to look like and who how we were going to meet up with people at the end and, and all of that kind of stuff. And How many days up, does it take? It's three. Um. So when it gets you, like... Eighty percent of the way through the Shenandoahs. Are there campsites, or are you just? <laughs> In theory, <laughs> if, if you make it there to them. <laughs> so the first day, we they put us out in a canoe, and they were so late. Were wait did did you have canoeing experience like balance? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so they they were so late picking everybody up. We wound up getting started. They didn't even put us on the water until like one o'clock. And the whole, they they basically hand you a paper map, which you're in a canoe. 
they hand one person out of our group of 15 a paper map and said, <laughs> go. And they said, on the first day. You're going downstream. You'll be fine. <laughs> just keep going. You, you can't get lost, right? And um, on the first day, they were like, great. The first day is the longest day. And I was like, so you put us on at 1 o'clock? <laughs> like, first day is the longest day. You have to do 22 miles on the first day. And we're like. Okay. Um, like I said, we wound up um, like capsizing our uh, canoe and <laughs> could not. I was in the only boat that was two women. And I like to think we can do anything we want. However, <laughs> we were the last, we were somehow got at the end, which was, we hadn't spent a lot of time like in the middle of the pack, but we had somehow got to the end. And uh, so the guys had taken off and and we took a different route around the rapid than the rest of the group did and that was a mistake uh so we got penned into a rock and couldn't get our boat out so and there's we, rapids it's not just like a lazy flowing. oh no it's it's work there are rapids um the group that we started with actually dropped half of the group on that first day because they capsized and flipped and he lost his phone in the river and the rest of their group was like, all right, we're going to go ahead and just <laughs> not continue doing this. <laughs> and so they bailed early on and, and the rest of us, we had a group of, I think it was eight of us. It was four canoes. Well, maybe 10 of us, um, that wound up kept continuing on. And, um, so we had to, finally, I got in touch with the guys. Cause of course you have like no service out there no one can hear you. And you're just out in the river on the side of the bank and, um, we, there was no one around. And so I finally got in touch with the guys. I got in touch with the, the, uh, company that put us in and I was like, Hey, somebody has got to come rescue us. Cause we're, we are very stuck. The, there was four, two canoes of two dudes who wound up canoeing upstream a half mile to come back and try to help us out. And when I tell you, we had been the whole like two hours we were standing there, we had been digging. We had taken like rope and trying to like get this canoe, like to pivot it, to get it out. We worked our butts off for two hours trying to get that canoe out. Now we were also drinking a half handle of vodka, but <laughs> we worked so hard to try to get this canoe out. And these boys show up. And when I tell you, they lifted that thing out of the water like it was a paper boat. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> we, were like, we were like, no, no, it's stuck forever. And they were like, no, it's not. <laughs> they just lifted the whole thing out. And we were like, okay, fine. Um, and so at that point on, everything was like, we like, like couldn't make it to the campsite that night and it was dark and we wound up camping on like somebody else's like lawn and they were like, don't do this ever again because people with guns will come out and like shoot you. And we were like, okay. <laughs> do you go by houses and things or is it pretty A remote? little bit. There was, it's, it's like half and half. So there's definitely stretches where there's clearly been like some houses and development and, um, and then there's stretches that are a lot more wild and, and untouched and, um, it was, I mean, stunningly beautiful. We saw a couple bald eagles and so many like turtles and fish and snakes. And it was just really, really beautiful out there. And I loved doing it. And, uh, it was, it was hard work though. I was sore for like, <laughs> when we got done, uh, we wound up all renting an Airbnb together and I, we were very quiet for we we watched a movie and went to bed that night we were like okay that was it was a lot of work so well that sounds like a fun option it, it is a fun option it's a great option and i so like i said clearly i was not a purist i wound up slacking the first like or the last i don't know 45 miles of georgia <laughs> like i just i was not 
I was not a purist. Before so. we get further up the trail, uh, tell me about being a vegan on trail. Was that difficult? Uh, it was both harder and easier than I was expecting. Easier because I wound up finding things that are available at most grocery stores that were working for me. And also easier in the sense that I like really kind of didn't have to worry about resupplies. I just got a box that had my name on it and I just had to go and pick it up and my shopping was already done, you know? So you re you sent food ahead to yourself. I did for about, um, three or four months before the trail, I wound up spending a lot of time dehydrating food. Um, I dehydrated all my own dinners and I was pretty certain I was going to do like oatmeal for breakfast and, uh, protein bars for lunch basically. And <laughs> decided very early on I hate oatmeal uh so I switched to unfrosted pop tarts and I also realized I didn't want to set up my stove and cook coffee every morning so I wound up switching to uh espresso cliff bars or the mm. coffee cliff bars mm. that they have um and that was really the ticket so I basically ate um bars <laughs> for the first uh three-fourths of the day and then I would do like dehydrated dinners for and for dinner like what kind of a dinner would you make one of my the two the two favorites were definitely i did a taco mac which was like a um pasta and it had a bunch of beans and corn and jalapenos and i went to talk a bunch of taco bells around houston before i left and got a bunch of fire sauce packets <laughs> to put in the bags um so that i had some some spice uh and then my mom actually you would just make the rounds like go to a different taco bell so you don't get caught. yeah kind of <laughs> i was just nervous about like going in just walking into a taco bell and just taking a bunch of fire sauce so it run out like a thief <laughs> so like for months every time i went to taco bell i would be like can i get a bunch of extra fire sauce in my order <laughs> so, it would be like can i get um one burrito and uh 24 fire sauce packets please <laughs> so um yeah. and they have the sayings on them don't they they do like, do you read them at night like oh yeah this one's oh, yeah, that one's clever yeah <laughs> um and then my mom like i said so my parents obviously their 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 tone kind of switched um, my mom dehydrated a lot of dinners for me as well. She wound up doing, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing better. I think even as a vegan than your mom's spaghetti, I think everybody's mom makes the best spaghetti. And, um, so my mom made a bunch of spaghetti and dehydrated it. And it was by far the best meal I had on trail was, was hers. Man, I bet that's so good after a long day to just smell and eat. That yes. home food. Yes, and it's 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 that it's that's exactly what it is with the dehydrated food. Uh, is literally my mom made it at home, put it in a dehydrator, and then mailed it to me in a bag. Like it's that's, it's the best thing. That's like a hug in a bag. It is. It is. Um, and so, and she wound up doing a lot of the mailing for me because I started thinking. I won't stop for, I'll, I will carry two weeks of food at a time and I'll stop every two weeks at a resupply point. <laughs> That's like what you thought idiot. when you started? Yes. <laughs> I was so dumb. Uh, <laughs> I was like, or you can stop every three days and you only have to carry three days worth of food, which I definitely recommend. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it was, it was, she she was incredible. But what'd you do with the extra? Leave it in hiker boxes or mail it ahead? Normally mailed it ahead, uh, which wound up costing me like four times the amount that it would have cost me just to mail smaller boxes all along the way. 
um, I wound up at a few different points, wound up just bouncing a box, which I don't know if people know that you can do this, but um, a lot of the times when you are going and you're mailing a box to hold at a uh, UPS, when you are, if you do not open the box and it stays exactly the way it is, you can basically slap a new label on it and they will bounce it ahead for free. Heard of that. Mm-hmm. I've heard of people like uh, very stealthily cutting the tape and getting something out and then taping it back. And I'm not saying I learned how to do that, Okay, but I'm not saying I didn't, uh, which it, it did help. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and sometimes you would get people who were just nice and were like, yeah, just whatever, just retape it. And it's not... So, so without the dehydrated food from home, would it be would it have been a a great struggle to eat healthily as a vegan? Not impossible, but harder because if I didn't have dehydrated food from home, it just would have been like five times more expensive. Because the the meals and things that people are eating on trail, if they're buying the like freeze dried stuff, is so expensive per box. I mean, and it's it's worth like it's less than what you would pay if you went out to eat or whatever. But it's still like maybe around ten bucks. Yeah, a meal. yeah, and especially if you get like the good vegan ones, not the just okay vegan ones. They will. They're gonna be like homemade stuff, and it costs you like fourteen dollars a. That's how I feel about ramen, like the thirty cent one or the. I'm not paying a dollar for ramen. I know the fancy ramen. <laughs> fancy ramen. Uh, and I do actually. So there is, and I, this helped me a lot too. Is in most stores, if I was able to get to a full grocery store, I could get the only ramen flavor that is vegan, which is the like soy sauce run. Mm. Um, so I could get that in a lot of places, which did help if I needed just a little bit of something extra to get me through. Um, and if I were to do it again, I would actually probably do a lot more ramen because it's cheap and it's easy and it cooks fast and, and all of that and not have to worry so much about getting the, the boxes and all of that. Did you, uh, like supplement protein with powders or anything like that? No, I really, unless it's in like a shake, I don't, I don't love protein powder. So I did, like I said, I did all of my bars that I did, I made, I made sure that deliberately that they were like high in protein. Okay, so I just remembered we never went back to your trail name, Fancy. Tell me how you got that. Yeah, I mean, it was... It's not Fancy Ramen, though, right? It's not Fancy Ramen, but it does kind of go back to that group where I was telling you I just sort of sit at the picnic table and let everybody come to me. Um, some of those people that I are met on that day, that my, my first day back, as it was, um, I told them that I was rehabbing my knee and that I was trying to take some pressure off of my knees. So when I was going downhill, I was going down kind of like a skier where I kind of turned my body to the side to take some pressure, direct pressure off my knees. And I told them if they saw me doing my fancy dance to mind their business. (laughs) And uh, at that point, look out. Go check him out. If you don't follow him on Instagram, he's pretty awesome. Um, But he... um, was (laughs) was <laughs> sitting there and he was in his beautiful British accent. It's like, fancy dance. That sounds like a great trail name. <laughs> <laughs> fancy dancer. Fancy dance. And you're like, oh, that sounds way better coming out of your mouth. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, but then nobody could remember if it was fancy dance, fancy dancer, fancy dancing, tiny dancer. <laughs> Tony Danza. Tony Danza. I was. Hold me closer. All over the place. So I just shortened it to fancy for simplicity. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, me too. And then 
um, I got a job offer actually while I was on trail. And when I met her, I, she knew me as fancy. So when I moved up to West Virginia for that job, uh, she, everybody called me fancy. <laughs> and so you just use that, your trail name as your name? Yeah. Now, even at work, even at the bar I work at, that's how everybody knows me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's stuck. She honestly, fancy is way cooler than Olivia, if I'm being honest. So I'm going to, I take that moniker as long as I can. <laughs> Do you ever tell people you're a dancer and your stage name is fancy? <laughs> no, but when I sing karaoke, I always use fancy. And oh, they're cool. like, fancy what? And I'm like, just fancy. Just fancy. Like share. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the job you took in West Virginia? I moved up to West Virginia to be an innkeeper and a bartender uh, in, in Harper's Ferry. So I really, when I was, I, I knew I was going to stay connected to the trail in some way or another um, when I was finished. And, and at that point, I still thought I was going to make it all the way to Katahdin. But she asked me, she was like, what are you doing when you're done? And I go, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything planned. I don't think I want to go back to Houston because I, I, there's no mountains there. And so you really fell in love with the mountains. Yeah, I'd always really been in love with the mountains growing up kind of in, in the southeast and my whole family is from northwest Georgia. And so I've always loved being outside in the mountains, but um, had never really lived in the mountains and knew that I wanted to change that. What part of northwest Georgia? Uh, it's a really tiny town <laughs> called Rock Mart and it's, uh, Oh, I know exactly where that is. Really? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, no one does. <laughs> um, yeah. Right outside of Cartersville and Rome and, uh, yeah, super tiny. That's where my parents, my parents were high school sweethearts and that's where they, they grew up. So, Sweet. yeah. So let's go back up the trail. Um, what led to you not finishing? Yeah. Um, kind of a, a very clear progression, honestly. So, I wound up getting dealing with some foot stuff. I wound up dealing with some timing issues when I got uh, in. Basically, everything sort of slid downhill after the Aqua Blaze, which was a great time. Yeah. And then, but that kind of wound up being like the last hurrah, as it were, for a little while. So, wound up with some injuries and bouncing off trail with just various different like family members and friends and everything that wanted to see me when I was up and getting closer to their areas. And I wound up losing a lot of momentum and tried to make it up. You mean aggressively. Uh, momentum as in miles or like mentally? A little bit of both. Okay. I think, um, I didn't, because of the aqua blaze and then I wound up having three days off in DC uh, right after that, both to deal with my phone stuff and my parents came up and we were there with some family friends and I got, so it had been basically six or seven days. Oh, and then I had three days before that in Waynesboro where I hadn't hiked. So it had been like eight days that I hadn't hiked. And I was trying, I, because of that, I had gotten behind a couple groups that I was really excited about catching back up with. And I tried to put in 25 mile day on um, my first day back on a road walk because I was trying to cut some of the Shenandoahs out and the road walk was supposed to be faster and easier. And I was like, great, 25 miles on the on the parkway. Let's go. And really wound up hurting my feet. I wound up with some pretty bad shoulder pain. I wound up with some foot pain. Um, then got to uh, what is that? Manassas shelter. 
that has the the two snakes. I slept there alone. I slept alone way more times than I feel like most people did who were in the bubble. I don't know how I wound up on all of these. Like, I seriously, I think I spent probably unintentionally just like at a shelter alone, like seven or eight nights towards that in there where I saw not a single other soul. That creepy out a little bit? It was super creepy because I was like, I'm in the bubble. Like, where is everyone? And I was either just like just five miles on either side of a lot of people for most of that time. And, um, but I got, I got off there again cause I was in foot pain and switched shoes and rehab my feet, trying to like take it easy and rest them a little bit and then got back on trail. And because I had switched shoes, I wound up with blisters and it was just like, it was one thing after another all the way up until, um, the Pennsylvania border basically. And I was just, I had was not around people anymore. I was at Crossrails Hostels in like the end of June, like a very end of June. So the bubble, I wound up staying there and there were like three of us, like where was everyone? <laughs> and I just, I wound up with like, I wasn't having fun anymore. I was uh. in constant pain. I didn't know where any of my friends were. I was not making new friends very easily because by this point I, you know, I finally kind of slowed down enough that another bubble came behind me. But even them, they, they had been hiking together almost since day one. And it was now we were a thousand miles in. You're feeling lonely and missing that connection. I was, I was like, these people are, don't want anything to do with me. They're like, who is this new person? And I was like, no, no, I started, I'm, I'm doing the same thing you guys are too. I swear. Like, and they're like, we don't know you. Um, but yeah, and I, I thought about just yellow blazing up and just kind of catching up with other people and doing it that way. But I was just, I had for about two weeks woken up like in tears. And I was like, this is not the way I wanted to do this. I didn't want to just get to Katahdin. I wanted to enjoy getting to Katahdin. I wanted to have fun and do all the side stuff and and make friends and and make connections. And I just, for about two or three weeks in there towards the end, I just wasn't doing that. And it was, it was breaking me. And so I, I was watching people summit and I was watching people. I knew that I had kind of started with some of those early, like the people who gave me a beer as I was crossing my four, my, I had a, I had a beer at every border crossing that I was at. Uh, just by chance. I, so it happened. The first one happened by chance and then it became a thing. Um, when I was crossing over from Georgia into North Carolina, there was a group of um, hikers that were, they got a bad rep, but they were so fun. Um, and they were like, Hey, you want a beer? And I was like, were they, were they like a tramley? They, they had were like a tramley. group name. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to say it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably heard of them. <laughs> they were great, but I don't want to like put anyone on blast or anything. But um, I was watching them. They were up in like Jersey and I was just crossing Pennsylvania. And I was just like, I'm never going to make it. And I just I just remember having like a lot of these feelings of both not being good enough um, like weirdly, like not being fun enough that anybody wanted to like hang out with me or whatever. Like I just, I wasn't having fun anymore. And I just, I knew I didn't want, it was kind of, I would had basically, I was about 10 miles before the halfway point. So it was kind of like, do I just stop? Like, this is kind of a, a weirdly good stopping point. 
So why don't I get off here and make sure that when I go back, I'm excited to go back. I'm excited about all those miles. I'm excited to be back on trail and I'm having fun again. And it doesn't feel like a chore or like work because I can go home and have work and right. have chores and have things I have to do. And I don't want to be out there and, and do that too. So before that week or so, did you have thoughts of quitting? Never. 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 I was so sure I was not going to quit to the point that like, like it never even crossed my mind that it was an option until. Where were you when you finally said to yourself, okay, I'm going to quit? Like in, you were out in the woods or in a hostel or. I was at a shelter and I was the only person. There was a ton. It was like. There was like 10 or 12 people at this shelter and they all camped. And I was the only one sleeping in the shelter. <laughs> it feels like a Charlie Brown cartoon. It felt like a Charlie Brown cartoon. I was absolutely Charlie with the football. For I think this a lot is how it. Britney Spears went down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did not shave my head, although um, don't count me out yet. But um, I, uh, yeah, it just kind of felt like I was like just in isolated. this alone and isolated. Yeah. And I didn't want, I didn't like it. And I, I sent a message, I think, on July 3rd third to it might have even been july 2nd july 2nd or july 3rd um sent a message to a few friends that were further ahead and i was like basically trying to gauge the possibility and the likelihood of ever running into these people again on trail just trying to figure out like where everybody was and like can is it feasible for me to like do something where i can either Mutual agreement of like them kind of slowing or me doing something else or whatever. Or a flip-flop maybe. Or a flip-flop or something. And I just, it never seemed like it was going to be, work out that way. Or like, okay, I, I, I drive up there and I figure out a way to get up to these people. And, and then what? In, in 150 miles, we're separated again? Like, it just didn't feel like it was going to be what I was wanting at that point. And so, um, I, I wound up these poor people. <laughs> I, so I had already prearranged along the way, a lot of different, um, family members and friends of family and, 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 and that kind of stuff that were going to kind of help along, help me along the way, like go in town and, and resupply and that kind of stuff. And, uh, outside of Gettysburg, um, I have my, it was like my dad's best friends from work. His brother lives out there. I've never met these people. I barely know my dad's best friend. And they, they were just supposed to pick me up, take me to the grocery store and put me back on trail. That was all <laughs> they were supposed to do. And I got there and they see a like bedraggled hiker coming out of the woods, emerging out on July 4th in Gettysburg <laughs> at Caledonia State Park. Families everywhere. Just the whole park is covered with people's like out celebrating the 4th of July. And here I am, tears absolutely streaming down my face, oh. sobbing because I'm so emotional because I had decided that morning that I was going to quit. And I was just like, everything about it was like, just overwhelming. I remember I took more pictures on that last day of like the actual like nature and hiking and that kind of stuff than I think I took of any other day. I wound up like every blaze I like, took a picture of. I was just like, cause you knew you were leaving. Cause I knew I was leaving and I it was the first, it was like a 
weight lifted off my shoulders Mm. where I could kind of go back to enjoying the hike a little bit. And it was a beautiful day. Oh my gosh, a gorgeous day. Almost a a relief. Yeah. Yeah. It was like you, it gave myself permission to not be miserable anymore. And that was huge for me. And I got there and I basically saw these poor people and I was like, so I just quit my through. (laughs) 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 Can you help me? And I was like, I just, you can just drop me off at the nearest town and I'll just get like a a hotel or motel somewhere. Cause that's what I was used to doing at that point. Right. It's just like finding a a crap motel somewhere and being like, this will work. It's $30. Fantastic. You know? And, uh, and they were like, do you know where you are? (laughs) I was like, kind of. And they're like, it's, it's July 4th outside of Gettysburg. <laughs> there are no hotels. You, you cannot just like stay somewhere here. And I was like, oh, okay. So they drove me back to their house, bought me lunch. Was like, are you sure you want to quit? Like they were so sweet about it and like had me, you know, really sit down and they're like, spend as much time as you need alone. Think about this and called my parents and dealing with all of that. And trying to deal with logistics of what that actually means and all of that. Cause I, I didn't have an apartment to go back to. My, I had a friend who was subletting my place. Like I didn't, I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> like, and you've got dehydrated food up the trail. <laughs> I do. I actually, I wound up having to call a hostel that was, I had already sent food to myself and I was like, can I have that back? Like, <laughs> and they were, That's my favorite. They were super nice about it, but like, it, you know, it was just that kind of stuff. And um, I wound up catching a flight. Uh, from Baltimore that night down to South Carolina because I knew if I like hung out, I would convince myself to go back and I wasn't enjoying it. And I, I knew I needed to quit for myself at that point. And um, your apartment was in Houston. My apartment was in Houston, but I caught a flight down to South Carolina where I hung out with my family for a little while. Um, wound up going to doing my 30th birthday up in Chicago and like really embraced being off trail and tried to embrace the things that I missed when I was on trail. I missed like, you know, getting dressed up and going out with my friends and having a night out at the bars and and that kind of stuff. I missed being able to just like read a book and hang out with for four hours. Did there, did a time come where you began to miss the trail? I missed the trail a lot through those first little bit but not so badly that I was like, oh, I miss it. I want to go back. It was more, I like, this was a fun thing. I miss the friends. I miss, I would, every time I watched any of my friends post about summoning Katahdin or anything like that, I was like crying because I was so excited for them. And it was, it was when it switched where I wasn't mad because I, I was getting like frustrated watching people I started with summit. Like I was July 4th when I got off trail. I was like, what are you maniacs doing? Did you sprint? Like, did you see anything? Like I was getting frustrated watching people summit. And that oh, because was, you felt like they were going too fast. I was like, nobody's enjoying this with me. Oh. Why is nobody stopping and enjoying this with me? <laughs> like, you know, very selfishly, right? As far as a um, view of the hike of like, don't you guys want to have any fun? Like, and not fully grasping that for some people the goal is put miles under feet get Katahdin and that was just not my goal do you think if you had synced up with someone that was more on your mindset of enjoying the experience along the way you might have stayed yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and that's my thing when I go when I go back uh I plan on doing it with a person I, I have to have I know myself I have to have 
I, I have to have a buddy. I have to have somebody who's willing to stop when I'm injured. I have to have somebody who I'm willing to like, if they're like, let's go do this crazy blue blaze that I'm able to be like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I, but I, I need that kind of companionship, I think. And I did learn that about myself on trail. So your, your apartment's in Houston. You're in South Carolina. Yeah. Was there, I mean, what was the transition like to back to the world? Awful. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. So it was easy for me not to miss the trail when I was in South Carolina and Chicago and doing all of that because I was like doing fun things and I was, it was still felt like a vacation kind of a little bit. It didn't feel like I was back in the real world yet. And when I decided to go back to Houston, the real world hit me hard and fast. Um, the job I had left had new owners. Um, one of the week I got back into Houston, my catalytic converter had been stolen off of my car. I got back to Houston and one of my best friends at work had, um, passed away like the week I got back home. Um, and, and thankfully the new owners were like willing to have me like come back to work there, which was, was great, but it was just like, and that was a bartending. Job. Yeah. Yeah. At a bartending place. But the, like, we just, the, nobody was making any money at this bar. Like it was just, it was one thing after another that I just sort of kept getting hit with. And, and the you only had someone thing, living in your apartment. Yeah. I was sleeping on my own couch. <laughs> she, she was generous enough to let me like come back and sleep there. Hiker trash. In yeah. Your own life. Truly. And, um, and there was just like, it was two girls living in a 800 square foot, one bedroom apartment. And it was just, it was a mess the whole time. It was just like almost an unusable space at that point. And, um, the only thing I was clinging to was the fact that I was going to move to West Virginia. And so when I, when I accepted that job offer, I was like, get me out of here, get me back to the trail. I don't want to be here. <laughs> like I, um, was able to go and, and move, up to West Virginia and take that job as, as an innkeeper um, and basically left everything behind in my apartment in Houston. I moved what fits in a Prius the first time and then did another stop over there in October and, and filled like half of a U-Haul. But no, I didn't bring any furniture. I didn't like, because I was moving into a furnished inn. So like I just, I left most of my stuff behind and just got out of there and wanted to start over. Was that near the trail? The inn? Yeah. Yeah, it was like less than 0.3 miles away from the trail. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Harper's Ferry, obviously the trail goes through it. So uh, it was just right at the top of the hill from Low Town. So I got to see the trail basically every day. That's pretty cool. It was incredible. It's such a cool area too. It is. It's beautiful and stunning and wound up doing a few different little backpacking trips throughout of doing little sections of the trail and uh, while I was living up there. And, and so I've been back on the trail, uh, hiking it three different times now in various capacities, but nothing substantial, just little weekend backpacking trips and stuff. But so I think I heard you say a little while ago when I go back. Yeah. You know, I've said, I've switched it up both times, haven't I? I said, I think I said, if I go back and when I go back both times on this podcast. <laughs> Make up your mind. I know. Have I you know. made up your mind? I think I have, but um, now it comes down to logistics because my, I, it hit me, honestly, when I was doing research and going back through all my notes and everything about the trail and, and pulling up all of those old memories that I kind of put away in a box, um, 
pulling all of that back up, listening to other people talk about other people that I know well that I hiked with talk about their time out in the same year I was out there, right? Listening to their different experiences and how they experienced the trail differently and all of that. I was just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And uh, in the car on the way up here to film, I was sobbing, crying, listening to uh, Honeybee. And uh, oh, that podcast, yeah, listening, listening to Honeybee and Six Mills interview, who I who I knew and hung out with a lot on trail, and um, and actually Honeybee and I now are probably closer than we were when we were on trail. We talk a lot more frequently about a lot of awesome stuff. So, um, but <laughs> absolutely sobbing, crying. Um, called my mom and I was like, I want to do the trail again. And she <laughs> goes, Well, and you will do it. And I said, No, now. I want to do the trail now. Um, and I'm kind of in a, a another transition period of my life, which is yeah. where I was the first time. And um, and I want to do. I think I want to. I think I want to catch the Nobel bubble coming out of Pennsylvania, um, or coming out, I guess, of of uh, Maryland. So when will that be? Uh, I th- I think it'll be this year. <laughs> like this I th- summer. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that um, Novo bubble in July. Um, I have. I forgot I have something that I really want to do um, the ver- July 4th weekend. So it'll be after that. So I'll catch that tail end of the Nobo bubble coming out of um, coming out of that area. But they go from there to, to Katahdin. Yeah, I would go there to Katahdin and then I would flip down and go from Caledonia southbound back to back to Georgia. Oh, redo. Oh, yeah. If I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Especially if I can convince my dad. <laughs> to go with you? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. the whole way? That would be the goal, right? Because he's always wanted to do it too. And uh, I don't know if always is the right word, but he's definitely got the hiking bug now. Um, every time he gets back on trail with me, because they did a little section with me over the, for my birthday this year uh, up in the Smokies. And I joked with them because we, we started at Klingman's Dome. And I was like, so it's all downhill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the highest point, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> the highest point. Everything's downhill from there. Um, Did you hear the the episode with CK yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah. said on there that when he was in Damascus, he saw this written in chalk on the on the pavement said, uh, "Keep going or quit. They're both going to hurt." Yeah. Uh, and I think for me, the quitting hurt at that point less than the going. Um, but when when I, when I go and and like I said, like going back, it has, my, my mentality hasn't changed as far as the way I want to do it. I still want to go and enjoy it. I still want to go and, and embrace the, embrace the suck and embrace all of, all of the hard part. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, I learned more about myself and what I can do like physically than I ever thought possible. Um, I came off trail in the absolute best shape of my life. And, and so, yeah, let's do the hard stuff for sure. But I still want to go and have a good time. And I still want to, you know, drink beers with strangers and, (laughs) and find every opportunity to karaoke the whole way up the trail and, and, you know, go out to random, like we would, I remember we were in a, a crappy town in, um, or a crappy bar, like outside of like, Hagerstown, Maryland. <laughs> and we I met a girl who was section hiking and she's like, I'm getting off trail. You want to go with me? And I was like, Hell yeah, let's go. Like <laughs> I just I still want to do it that way. Um but I wanna so I wanna I still wanna enjoy it. So you don't really carry a sense of failure that you didn't finish. No. Do you? No. I actually think 
I, I don't carry a sense of failure. I did when I first got off. I, 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 it was, I documented my whole journey on my Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I posted almost a video a day. Oh, wow. Um, and you, and you journaled as well. I did. Do I wrote it down. you go back and read those? I, uh, I did some for this in preparation, which was also part of the reason why I was really emotional. Oh, okay. So that like got you in the feels? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going back and looking over how many days, because in my head, I feel like most of the days that I had towards the end were not good. Um, in my head, they all felt like they would be really negative. And going back and looking over them, the amount of stuff I wrote that was negative about the day was like so minimal. Like I almost never wrote about the bad stuff. I almost always wrote about something fun or positive or something good that had happened. And it did make me realize like there was so many more good days than bad days when I was out there. Uh, but the bad days really, I mean, really sucked. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I don't, I don't feel like a sense of failure. I actually think, um, and this is going to get a little, I might ruffle some feathers. I kind of have a hot take. So I think like it or hate it, the AT has become absolutely inundated, right? People everywhere. So many thousands of people that start that trail. Yeah. Like 3000. Oh, so, at right? least just that, just the registered number. Right. Yeah. And then I met a lot of people who were unregistered or who were sectioning or whatever. Right. So let's say somewhere around 4,000 people hike some part of the trail every year. That is a huge community. My high school wasn't even 4,000 people. That is, I mean, that's a ton of people who have some level of shared experience with you. And the idea, I think we have gotten away from the community aspect of the trail in a lot of ways. Yes, we love the trail angels. Yes, we oftentimes will, times we'll find a tramley or whatever. Um, but I think sometimes people do that like out of sometimes necessity um, or just happenstance or or what have you, right? I think there is this... I think this trail has become a little bit selfish, right? It's very much, what do I need? How am I going to get there? This is my hike. I'm doing this for me. And I understand why people do that because it is, it's a personal experience and it's a personal experience that you may only get one time, right? But I think you lose out on a huge part of the trail and embracing the trail as a whole if you are only focused on yourself and you're getting yourself and your two feet to Katahdin and you're not looking around and you're not meeting people and you're not getting stories and information. And it took me a while to come to that. I didn't get numbers of people, their real names, contact information, how to like link up with these people. Some of which I may have only met like one night or two nights that I still think about. You just took it for granted. I absolutely took it for granted. And people always are like, oh, you'll you'll see them later or you'll run into them later. But you may not. Right. What if they get off trail? What if they're done? What if you what if you get off trail? What if you never see them again? What if you're always 15 miles behind them and you never meet up again? And it just I took the people for granted, I think, in a lot of ways. And I just I met so many people who were just like willing to give up so many experiences for miles. And it just felt, for me, it felt kind of hollow. And I, cause, and I even listening to CK talk, right. And his, his interview. And he was like, 
he was talking about being a purist and how he was, Mm -hmm. they put their, you know, and he, but he was saying how he regretted some of it as far as like just pushing through and not taking the time sometimes. And, and I, I, I hear that from hikers a lot. I heard that from people before I even started, which I think has influenced my decision to be like, no, I want to, I want to enjoy the, the whole thing. Um, I want to cram 40 hikers into station 19 E and watch Disney movies all day in a hailstorm. Like I want to <laughs> do these things. Right. Um, I and think pe- some people feel pressured to get to Katahdin by a certain amount of time, but I think in almost all the instances, there's time. Yeah. Like I said, I knew people who started with me around like that late part of March summoning in July. I was like, unless you're going for a fastest time, what did you prove? That is fast. What did you prove? What do you think? uh, I mean, obviously you're going back. Yeah. So this has had some effect on you. Oh, yeah. How do you think that experience is has or might change the way you approach your life moving forward or will it? Oh, it opened up so many like mental blocks that I had. I was, I came out to the trail. I was super judgmental. I was really judgmental of like people's like, like an alternative lifestyle. Like I grew up in a really conservative house where you go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, you work in corporate you come out, you have a family and you settle down. That That's the American dream. And anybody who lives a lifestyle other than that is doing it wrong. Right. It's not alternative or cool. It's inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you are doing life wrong or Invalid. whatever. Invalid. Um, and I... And I didn't think I was that judgmental when I, like, I didn't know how judgmental I was. And then I got on trail and I was like, oh, I'm kind of a bitch. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is not, like, I was just really judgmental and really like, you do what? Like, that's not a job or, you know, like you live on trail. Like, that's not a valid way to live your life or whatever. Right. And I met so many more interesting people when I let all of that go. And when I was willing to just be like. No, tell me about your glass blowing thing that you do in Orlando. Like that sounds dope. Like, and when I let the judgment like recede, the people I met and the people that I was able to talk with and like get to know, I was like, oh no, these are really some of the coolest people I've ever met in my life who just decided to like throw off the chains and shackles of what society tells you you have to be. And that has really carried, I mean, that's, that's become a profoundly impactful, um, something like in in my life because I I cannot tell you how like eat the rich I am now (laughs) so you think uh, no more corporate career paths for you I am actively working on going back into corporate and I I've hated every single second of it I I'm gonna honestly the only reason why I would want to go back into that world is so I have enough money to quit and through hike. (laughs) It's like, it's constantly me being like, that's right, man. You got to use them. I got to work the system, right? I want to be using you. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Finding cheap apartments in cheap cities where I can go make more money than I am spending on my living situation so that I can go back to the trail. And that that's really become more of my goal than anything of like, yeah, let's let's try to get these corporate jobs so that I can 
especially if I can do it like contract stuff, like six months of a corporate job so that oh, I can go yeah. hike for six months and come yeah. back and do another one. And I'm like, whatever sets me up for success with hiking, that's what, that's the job I want to do now. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, through hikes cost money. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, and so you they, went from a uh, pretty conservative to adventure girl. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, I was, I was never, I was always sort of the black sheep of the family. I was never like super conservative, but I didn't realize how much of that had stuck in my brain from my upbringing uh, until I was out there. Do, well, all right, let's, let's kind of wind it down with this. Given your experience with both positive and negative on the trail uh, and also having to leave the trail, what kind of advice would you give to aspiring kind of newbie hikers? I've got endless, uh, probably too much advice, honestly, because as everybody says, don't listen to anybody else's advice. But right. <laughs> I would say one is is make sure you know yourself before you come out there or at least have a general idea of like, are you a people person? Are you not a people person? Some of which you will find out on trail more aggressively than you. Because I thought I was going to come out on trail and be like, I don't want to talk to a single soul and I want to sit in nature and read my book for six months and never be around people. <laughs> and I, I joked with everybody for about the first, I don't know, 900 miles. The only thing I didn't find on trail was solace. It was just it, people everywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're never alone. Um, and so um, know who you are as a person and like what your needs are emotionally. Um, and that was a, that was a big thing for me. Um, be willing to pivot don't be so stuck in the idea you have of what it has to look like um, because you may be missing out on something and, and vice versa, right? If you're somebody who's like, I'm just going to party the whole way, you also may find that you want to, it's okay to just change your mind when you're out there, right? It's okay to pivot and say, you know what? I actually think I do want to go faster than this group I'm in or, or vice versa. I think I do want to slow down. Um, definitely that don't get so caught up in all of the gear research you'll change your mind <laughs> you'll you'll get out there and you'll realize what you want and what you don't want and yeah i think in the beginning a lot of people that's all they have to stress over because yeah. they haven't started yet so uh they're just obsessing over the, you know the perfect gear yeah and and stay out of the facebook group stay out of it oh really i mean because of the bad advice it's just a lot of people who've never hiked right that are giving advice in there like um, I want, I see a lot of the gear layout photos and people are like, I would take, you've got four wet wipes and I would only take one pack or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, it's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And unless, I see two things in there. One is questions that are just fear-based mm -hmm. and completely without any frame of reference. And then the other side is the mansplaining. Yeah. And that's really most of what that group is. And so it's okay to like reach out and, and ask if you really like have nowhere to start. But if you're really starting from nowhere, I would say follow people on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, that kind of stuff. Reach out to people, watch their personal stories. Uh, you're always going to learn a lot about people's experiences that way. Um, and as well as, as going in and if you have questions that you want to reach out to the Facebook group, search the group first. It's probably been answered. Yeah. Uh, look at other people's layouts, see what they've posted, see what other people have told them not to take. You can get a lot of information that way. Um, 
and just there's a lot of people like I found out about aqua blazing because I read a blog. <laughs> somebody like an old school blog that somebody posted about their time aqua blazing on the AT. Follow the track. Follow these these you know uh, local exposure <laughs> that are doing yeah. these. These are you know, great um, op eds and 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 follow people who've done it and and have seen it. And like you said earlier, you know, unless you've already spent every dime you already have. You can change your gear out as you go along. Yeah. 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 Well, trail days is a good place to do it too. If you can kind of make it to trail days with what's on, what's on your back um, and you are, you know, you're able to make it to Damascus for trail days. First of all, if you are able to make it to Damascus for trail days, go, it's an incredible time. You, it's a, it's a great, great time. Um, but there's a lot of, free stuff they give away. That's where I got my sit pad for free. That's where they give all sorts of trail days discounts. That's where I got my hiker dress. I met hikers that have done really incredible things that I would have never talked to if I hadn't gone to trail days. Participating in the parade is almost so always so much fun because yeah. you get to see people that you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in forever. Like it just is so neat to like see yeah. those people, right? Tent city and the, and the uh, drum circle feel a little bit like Lord of the flies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I all, I love all the bonfire stuff, the drum circle stuff, um, where Riff Raff sets up camp is right next to the drum circle. Okay. So, um, I do advise if you're in tent city, bring earplugs if you want to sleep. Otherwise don't worry about sleeping. Yeah. Bike the creeper trail when you're in Damascus. Yeah. It gives you 18 miles. You can just get, shuttle up the trail if you're if you're somebody who blue blazes and does the alternate stuff like i did i slacked i blue blazed i biked part of the trail i yeah. canoed part of the trail i was not about like oh i have to step every single second on the trail like first of all i'm not going to remember every single step on the trail i will remember that time we biked the creeper trail though yep true so we'll be there and hopefully we'll be using flow's short bus as a podcast studio Ooh, i can't wait to see you guys there yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Also, get a hiker yearbook. Yes. Participate in that. Like, it really is neat to see, flip back through all of that and see everybody and go through the pages and go, I know them, I know them, I met them. Oh my gosh, we had a great night at that hostel or whatever and going through and, and seeing everybody. Well, what else? Any last words, parting words? Just, if you want to, Make the time and do it. Make the, like, yeah, yeah. You're so fancy. I am so fancy. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I want to thank Fancy for being on the podcast today. And she has made this episode of Hiker Trash even more fancy. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I've had a great time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us today on the Hiker Trash podcast. If you'd like to support this project, you can go buy a coffee table book or a fine art print. You can do it at our website, localexposuremagazine.com. You can show some love to Scott Lowe. He provided the music for today's episode. You can find him on Instagram at Scott Lowe Songs. Hey, if you enjoy this, tell someone. Send them a text, make a post, talk about it. And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.